Hello and welcome to Bookasun. This is episode 23 and I am PS Nisim. This podcast is where I talk about books from the Desi perspective. Uh, I tend to focus on books that don't get as much attention as they deserve probably. Probably because they didn't fit into the standard molds that uh, book review sections in newspapers and magazines look for. Um, so far, I've covered comics, cookbooks, horror, sci-fi, uh, a lot more. Check out my older episodes. Today, I want to talk about uh, short stories. Again, I've done that in an earlier episode. Those were, I think, weird short stories. But today, I want to talk about uh, the modern short story as written in Indian languages other than English. Uh, we usually get to read these only in translation, of course. So over the past decades, I think every Indian language has uh, had its transition from the classical story towards literary modern short stories, and this has been supported by uh, literary magazines and newspapers in those languages. Uh, superstars have arisen in this format. Yeah, some have gone on to win awards. Many have published collections and. they have fans of their own their, their own fan bases uh, all, all this has happened in i think every other language than english in my opinion go to marathi gujarati tamil whatever all of them all of them have their stars but english uh, indian writing in english has been dominated by serious novel writing i think about modern city life and maybe a touch of magic realism aka salman rushdi and so on and so forth all the literary picks on the best of lists but you know what i think i've spoken about that multiple times so let me not go down there again unfortunately um, our short story stars from these languages have not received the attention they should from a broader audience sadly Uh, translations never came out, and if they did, uh, they were passion projects really, and published by small publishers. Never got the publicity they needed. Uh, they came and went, and nowadays you only find them as old books on the shelves of bookstores like Blossoms in Bangalore. I'm ashamed to say my own knowledge of many of these writers is very sparse because you you never can get enough material about these writers. Well, fortunately, I think the rise of the book reading public in english in india today and the rise of translation has opened the doors again and we if you have been paying attention we are seeing uh, initial collections like you know greatest bangla stories of all time greatest odia stories and so on urdu stories and so on uh, not to mention a few more single author collections uh, such as the ones that i'm going to talk about today uh, the first book as as per my pattern is a new release uh, it's titled ratno dholi which is a collection of the best stories of uh, the writer dhum ketu It's been translated from the Gujarati by Jenny Butt and published by Harper Collins uh, this uh, last year in 2020. Uh, the second is an older book. Again, it's it's called Another Life and Other Stories, and it's a collection of stories by the legendary writer Mohan Rakesh, and was published earlier by Rupa, and I think now we have a newer edition by Harper Collins, which was published in 2018. All right. Uh, let's start with the first book. Now, even before this book came out, uh, Ratno Dholi, as it's titled, I have kind of heard of Dhum Ketu, although I don't read Gujarati. I can just about understand it in uh, spoken. But uh, his stories have been translated 
into Hindi multiple times before and in fact I've read a couple of them in children's magazines some of them which are more light-hearted and uh, they come out in Hindi literary magazines as well so I've read a few of those and just because of that he's well known and I mean who can forget that name Dhoom Keto uh, literally means comet so I was pretty interested when I found that uh, this collection of his work was going to come out. I, I followed its translator Jenny Butt on Twitter and I've been following. She has her own collection of short stories as well, which came out a couple of months before this one. But this book is nice. It's an experiment. And uh, let's talk a bit about who the writer was. So Dhumketu is a pen name, as you would have guessed. It's, it belongs to a gentleman named Gauri Shankar Govardhan Ram Joshi. Uh, born in 1892. This is uh, a long time ago. You can see why he chose Dhumketu. It's it's a lot more catchy. And he wrote multiple volumes of short stories. And uh, this volume I hold in my hand right now is a selection of stories from these multiple volumes uh, translated into a single uh, published edition for the first time by Jenny Butt, as I said. So I'm not going to read the title story, uh, Ratno Dholi, which is a kind of folk ish sort of story with a very musical kind of style of writing. Uh, that story is in fact available on the net in, in magazines if you try, so you can probably read from there. What I'm going to do is to read a somewhat more intimate, uh, shall I say, Chekhovian short story called On the Banks of the Sarayu, which is, uh, I will only read about a, you know, a half a page as we don't have time. But uh, let me read this piece out and then we can come back to what it feels like. Alright, so I can't read from the beginning of the story because it will take a while uh, to get to the point. But uh, the story starts off with uh, a household where the uh, lawyer Harshvadan is uh, resting and his son Prasannavadan is uh, five or six years old and he's uh, writing something in a notebook. And uh, uh, three paragraphs in or so, uh, this is where we start. Suddenly Harshvadan said, Come, come Prasannavadan, let me tell you. A fine story. The boy immediately threw the blunt pencil away and, wiping his nose, stood up. What's the story about? he asked as he came to sit by his father on the swing. See, from below the house help yelled, Bai Sahib, where should I put the wheat flour? In the cupboard. Harshwadhan continued, See, downstairs the door rattled, Vakil Sahib, who is it? Harshwadan said and craned his neck. Two, three people had come to see him. Who is it? Dr. Sahib. Welcome, welcome. I was just waiting for you. Prasanvadan pulled his father's dhoti. Then what happened? Prasanvadan, Vijaya Gauri called as she went inside. That's the boy's mother, by the way. I'll tell you the rest. Prasanvadan pulled his father's hand. He wanted to hear more. The poor father, faced with the town's various current and past affairs did not have the time to recall a 5000 year old story. He patted the child's head with affection and said, see the rest later. I'll tell you later. Okay. But tell me a little bit. All right then. On the banks of the Saryu river, as if a terrible calamity was upon them, Prasanvadan looked in the direction of the stairs. Having climbed the stairs, Dr. Anand Prasad's figure stood in the drawing room. 
All right, I'll pause here because I already read quite a bit. But uh, as as you have probably guessed by now, this banks of the Saryu River is the beginning of the Ramayana. You know, Ayodhya is on the banks of the Saryu, and that's the story the father is going to tell. Uh, as the story continues, there are various interruptions, and the boy kind of goes off in his own mind as to what might be happening in the story further. And then towards the end, he finally hears some of it. But uh, this is like a very very intimate portrait of. Uh, a small household it's a kind of social fiction it's set in a city it's as i said chekhovian in the sense of a, a slice of life it's it's not meant to be an old style story with a climax and you know with a change of character and so on and so forth it's a it's a small moment in life and that's apparently what dhumketu's uh, forte was capturing that little slice that little spark and kind of expressing it even though his stories feel outdated many of these feel like um, they are old fashioned now they are like 100 years old nearly but uh, they still capture the kind of portrait of uh, the environment and the city and the atmosphere and they they have a broad range uh, they go all the way from folklore as the title story to the city life as this the story i just read out to village life in some cases a few historical there is a treatment of the amrapali story as well in there and so there is a pretty broad range he has written hundreds of stories and this is just a sh- small selection uh in some senses it reminded me of another hindi author named acharya chatur sen i think who's uh, belongs to the same time period there is that bit of historical focus and uh, pride in india so to speak uh the stories are a little humorous too in fact uh let me read out a little bit from another story which is uh, more satirical it's called the new poet it's about a, a man who finds himself writing poetry and is very proud and now is reading out his work in in a train compartment full of people who are not interested at all in hearing him uh here we go so this is about uh, midway through the story of the the story called the new poet and as here we go uh did you see the last issue of gahan raskalanand anand that's that's a weird like nickname that he has chosen his inner aesthete put forth put forth the question gahan what is that it's a reputed monthly journal they include all my writings look this is one of my poems he took out an issue of the monthly and opened to his poem These days, a European war has been raging, raging among the Narmad style, Naval style, Dalpat style, and recently the Nanalal style. Uh, these are all reputed Gujarati poets, by the way. So, to maintain the balance of power and through equal ownership and weightage, I have applied all the styles. And yet, the reader will see that, like a black line running amongst white clouds, my individuality shines brightly. Listen. the merchants gazed expectantly at raskalanandanand in the hope of some delightful reading material his discourse continued now the poet creates poems targeted primarily at the soul man does all his work with the help of machines but there is no soul in it have you experienced such a situation yes yes many times right now the youth chimed in but raskalanand anand was not able to understand the sarcasm there he continued agnirath's body where does any consciousness go or if my body is everyone's where does everyone's consciousness reside he continued agnirath's body you will not understand unless you take it one word at a time 
This is a coconut. Its meat can only be eaten after breaking the shell. Our body is a steam engine, just like the one we are traveling in. It works, but in the separated state, it often seems that there is no consciousness. To make so much emotion sound mystic, the word any has been inserted. By the way, if this sounds stupid to you, it's supposed to be. <laughs> this guy is basically an idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. And Dhumketu is making fun of uh, such uh, new poets who pretend to be very serious and so on and so forth. And this is how the most of the poem goes. And the uh, people around him get bored and eventually stop listening to him. Um, this is a pretty funny story. And it shows Dhumketu is kind of very aware. And, you know, he's not your head in the clouds kind of writer. He's very aware of trends around him and he understands uh, people's emotions and situations really well. Uh, the only thing I'd like to say here is I think the translation sometimes feels a little underconfident, I think. So this is uh, Jenny Bhatt's first translated book, I think. There are a few places where she's tried to keep the music of the original, original Gujarati in. It works somewhere. In a few places, it doesn't quite. Uh, maybe taking it away from the text in, uh, you know, uh, word by word meanings, but bringing closer, closer to the actual, as you say, not the Shabdath, but the Bhavat might have worked well. But that's that's secondary, I think, still. Uh, there's an introduction that she's written to the poet and to the writer and his works, which is a very good kind of encapsulation of what he was all about and the period he lived in. Uh, so as a whole, this book serves as a good introduction to a, a pretty famous and well-known writer of his era and uh, his work. Uh, I should mention that the collection, the cover is really beautiful. And this would make for a, a really good introduction to the curious reader interested in Indian literature. Uh, with the caveat, of course, that uh, some of the, the original music of the writing doesn't quite come through. But enough of it, enough of it does, I think, to to make this a worthwhile experience. So I highly recommend reading this. It's it's a nice book. It, it's worth reading. All right, let's take a very quick break and come back and let's talk about our second book of the day. Hello and welcome back. Now you know and I know that <clears throat> it's been a, quite a long time since I recorded one of these episodes of Bukasur and while I'm not making excuses, there's one big reason why uh, there was this delay uh, and that was that I lost my place. Now, I've heard a lot and I'm sure you have as well uh, how important routine is essential to uh, creative work. <clears throat> Writers like to have a specific place where they sit and write. Uh, podcasters it turns out also like to have a place where things work for them i had a pretty good place in uh, one room in my home and i got essentially tossed out because my son wanted that space and it's taken me i think a couple of uh, nearly a month now to to find a proper place where i can sit and feel comfortable enough to talk uh, with you all so here i am although this is the fag end of the uh, current season of Bogasa. I hope the remaining uh, couple of episodes come out on time. I'm reminded of, uh, you know, that famous essay by Virginia Woolf called A Room of One's Own. I have a copy somewhere. Uh, I'm going to read it someday. But I do know that it talks about having a, a creative safe place to work in. And <clears throat> I intend to keep that in mind the next time I start any kind of uh, creative endeavor. I think speaking of mistakes, 
you know one other mistake i made before recording this episode while preparing for it was to choose a wrong second book now as i said already i finally wound up choosing uh, mohan rakesh the the modern short story writer and his work but before i started i i looked at the cover of ratnodholi and i read that one story the title story which is a folklore kind of tale and i thought that well you know what is a good second book that goes with it and i chose a volume of folk tales from tamil nadu uh, by a famous writer named k rajnarayanan uh, tamil folks may have heard of him and he's written a bunch of he's a folklorist and uh, a volume of his work was published by blaft and it was called where are you going you monkeys and it's a it's a nice fun book uh, i believe he has another collection coming out uh, shortly but this uh, book i i read it through and then i went back to ratnodholi and i read that and i found that i kind of you know, underestimated dhumketu i had thought of him as nothing more than a fun of uh, you know a bunch of fun uh, folk tales and no he was more than that uh, he kind of uh, he had that that uh, kind of uh, range and that flair which you can't call it uh, a bunch of folk tales as i said there was there was a broad range there and so i wound up picking up mohan rakesh who's uh, well more serious i would say than dhumketu uh, for sure uh, his stories written in the 60s and 70s i think uh, maybe earlier they remind you of uh, those old uh, movies you know the the uh, art movies or uh, non mainstream movies by people like basu chatterjee and sham benegal and so on uh, the kind of movies where again inner life is explored urban life is explored in more detail and these small situations that middle class people find themselves in kind of are explored in much detail and mohan rakesh's stories are exactly on that kind that kind of emotional turmoil and you know no happy endings and uh, he's pretty well known in hindi as it turns out uh, he's called the pioneer of what's called a nayi kahani the the new hindi short story he's a playwright he's, he's quite well known for his play called ashad ka ek din and which has been translated as well into english and and performed in multiple places and uh, the weird thing and and what made me really sad is as i said uh, these are works that get translated uh, as as a passion project and i actually found his book in the famous blossoms of bangalore uh, in a second hand shelf and i have an edition which is pretty old which uh, has been forgotten more or less and this this was a passion project and the publication history of this book which is called another life and other stories is is strange so it's apparently spearheaded by a gentleman named uh, carlo coppola which i have not been able to find too much about except that he's uh, he specializes in south asian literature that's pretty much all i can find and different stories here are translated by different uh translators and it's it's a good collection this the edition i have is by rupa which was published way back in 1982 or so let's check this out 19 uh, yes 1993 actually which is still 30 years ago and uh, this was this is features 11 stories uh, a recent edition was published by harper collins in 2018 which contains i think 14 stories total it's it's i think there there's an overlap these are the same stories and a few more got added so what i'm going to do is to pick up one story which uh, 
I lied. I'll not take the title story. Which another life, Ek or Zindagi, translated into English, which is fairly well known, I think. But I'm taking one story which is uh, called Savorless Sins, um, and this is about a man who, uh, you know, committed a sin. Basically, slept with a prostitute, and he is basically as it. And there's no suspense here. It turns out nobody cares that he did it, and he wants people to care that he committed a sin. and he's kind of disappointed and nobody seems to notice or care and, and it's kind of funny but heartbreaking also in a way by the way i have to say um, savorless sins is a beautiful translation of the hindi name which is gunahe belazzat which is okay an urdu title but that's awesome that's a brilliant translation of the title so because i'm already shooting over time i'll sh- i'll read only a short paragraph of this story So anyway, the context is uh, a sick man called uh, Sundar Singh. Uh, his wife is Bhagwanti, and uh, he had an affair with a prostitute called Sundari a few years ago. Uh, and Sundari has now been caught by the police, and he's afraid that uh, she'll spill his name, and he wants to tell his wife preemptively that you know he's done this. So anyway, uh, Sundar Singh had thought that he might sit with his wife and talk for a while. then after eating they would stroll together into the other room he wanted to tell her the whole story and beg her forgiveness all this because he hoped that bhagwanti would be able to come to the rescue when sundari gave the police his address and they came for him but seeing her indifference he said nothing and refusing to eat left the room bhagwanti continued her cooking making no further requests that he eat before going Sundar Singh was exasperated. It was truly because of this woman that his life had foundered. Today, if they handcuffed him, it would be because of her. But even then, she would probably continue rolling chapatis and stirring the coal. Stretching out on the bed, he became progressively more angry with Bhagwanti. He had always conducted himself gently towards her, and so she thought him timid. It was that very gentlemanliness that had sent her to her parents' home. the day he saw sundari perhaps if he had acted out the whole affair right before her eyes she might have realized that he was not as blockheaded as she thought she treated him as if he were not a man but a piece of dirt okay i'll pause here so essentially he keeps wanting people to think him as a daring sort of guy who's done this crime and he's capable of you know going out of his uh social woman his, his duties and doing something wrong but nobody seems to care and uh, that's the title of the story as well gunahe belazzat uh the other stories here are also kind of in similar style uh, they are urban they kind of the, the middle class living uh, emotions and inner turmoil and they are quite well written and you can see why uh, mohan rakesh was quite well regarded and and um, well known and uh, you know his his stories are quite uh, they are good but you know the the saddest thing here is that uh, the harper collins collection the one that came out 3 uh, years ago now uh, if you look at it on amazon it it has a grand total of two reviews and even they aren't really complimentary and nor do they understand like the historical background and the from where these stories came so it is kind of sad that uh, someone who is so well known in his time and has is so well known among his fans as well Uh, gets zero recognition and zero understanding from the readers of today just because there is no background of him and there is no understanding whereas someone who is 80 90 years old i don't know someone like 
uh, Alistair McLean or Sidney Sheldon, who are more pulpy, admittedly, not as literary. But these books are 80, 70, 80 years old and, and they still get read and they, and they still get enjoyed just because there is a kind of aura around them and understanding and uh, people still read those stories. Uh, well, why not? Why not these other genres of uh, writing? All right then. Um, so to recap the two books that I spoke about today, the first was called uh, Ratno Dholi, uh, the best stories of Dhumketu, uh, translated by Jenny Butt and published by Harper Perennial, that is a branch of Harper Collins, in uh, 2020, uh, priced at 3.99. Uh, the second is, uh, the edition I have is Another Life and Other Stories, uh, stories by Mohan Rakesh. Uh, the one I have is published by Rupa in 1993. You won't get it anywhere now. But a newer edition, also called Another Life, uh, published by Harper Collins in 2018 and priced at 3.99. Although both these books are available at discounts on, on the Amazon and other sites, of course. And that brings us to the end of this episode uh, after this i have uh, two more episodes left before i wrap up this season of bokasur but uh, i am always on twitter at uh, ps underscore nisim and in fact i am uh, live blogging live tweeting rather uh, the books that i read through this year so that should that will be a much more broad range than the selected set i picked it up for uh, bokasur and of course i'm happy to hear your comments uh, there as well uh, thank you for following me. Thank you for listening in. It's It's been about a year plus since I started and it's been a really rewarding journey. And I hope to see you back for my last two episodes. And once again, thank you. Take care and keep safe. <laughs>